For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hoden with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Jim Jeanette earned nine Emmy Awards in 41 years at ABC Sports. A native of Kansas City, Jeanette attended the University of Missouri, worked as an announcer and director at KMBC-TV, and then moved to New York for an entry-level job at ABC Sports. While his assignments included Monday Night Football, Summer and Winter Olympics, and a variety of events for Wide World of Sports, his concentration was on college football and golf, directing several major tournaments. During the pandemic, Jeanette has hosted Zoom get-togethers with ABC Sports alumni, spanning the globe for the constant variety of content and people associated with Wide World of Sports. The 1972 Munich Olympics were the topic of one chat, with former staffer Kurt Fuchs joining from Germany. Another alumnus, Russell Brooks, zoomed in from Nigeria, where he works for the State Department as Information Officer for the Bureau of African Affairs. Also attending have been Olympic champions and ABC analysts Donna Deverona and Bart Connor, as well as Terry Gannon, an NCAA basketball champ, former ABC announcer, and current NBC figure skating and golf channel host. By the time you joined ABC, Wide World of Sports had been on the air for six years. Had it become the iconic show that we remember, or did Vinko Bogota's 1970 ski jumping crash or another moment solidify it in television history? Gosh, I, I don't know. I think when, when anybody mentioned ABC's Wide World of Sports at that time, Everybody knew what it was. Everybody planned their Saturdays around getting home by five o'clock so they could watch it. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was originally put on the air as a summer replacement show on ABC. And it was only supposed to run, I don't know, 13 weeks or 26 weeks or something. And it was such a hit that it, that it uh, caught on right away. So I think, I think it caught on early. I don't think any one event actually made it uh, pop into uh, some... Uh, higher stratos- stratosphere. The Bogot- Vinko Bogotai ski jumping crash was iconic, and that became synonymous with the with the wide world uh, opening. Anyway, I remember when I started working there in 1967. Uh, I had so so much to learn, and I was I was watching the you know the, some of these segments uh, get edited. Uh, auto racing, firemen's uh, competitions, where who could run up the fire ladder the fastest, you know, and so on. And I was so amazed by how all this was done. I mean, I had, I had directed some television before that, as you mentioned, back in Kansas City, but nothing like this. You know, nothing, not, not any sports and not anything like this. And I was looking back over that six-year history that you mentioned of Wide World of Sports, and I was thinking, boy, oh boy, I just missed it. I wish I could have been here six years ago. Of course, I would have still been in high school, but, but you know what I mean? You, yeah. you look at this thing that's going on and you say, Wow, this is great, but I wish I'd been in earlier when the glory days were happening. Little did I know that ahead of us was the Olympics, Monday Night Football, and all the other things uh, that, that came about, 18-hole well, coverage of golf, 
and on and on. So it's, this perspective is kind of interesting. And I think, I wonder if people joining the business now have that same thought, you know, oh my God, you know, I just missed everything. You know, all the, all the great things have already happened and I'm getting in on the tail end of it. And yet who knows what the future holds. You, you talk about that perspective and setting the stage. You, you, you mentioned earlier, everybody five o'clock on Saturday afternoons parked in front of their TV, watching ABC do up close and personal events across the earth in ways never before seen. The network lived up to the words of Danley Ralph Ross as scored by Charles Fox and narrated by Jim McKay, spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat the human drama of athletic competition. This is ABC's Wide World of Sports. What was the most remote location and most obscure event you covered? And, and what were some of your favorite memories? We always gave Jim McKay credit for writing that. Ah, <laughs> <So>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> he never corrected us. Uh -huh. But uh, no, that was a pretty iconic uh, phrase to begin the program. Wow, most remote location, most obscure event. I, 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 one pops into my mind right away, and that is the Highland Games in Scotland. Sports Illustrated had written a story about the Highland Games as a sporting event in, in Scotland. And our, our, man, our uh, programming people thought, this is a, something that we should be putting on Wide World of Sports. You know, what sports? We covered everything. Well, we haven't covered this. So, so a crew, a crew, our crew, and actually Jackie Stewart, the race car driver uh -huh. of great fame, was, our, was going to be our announcer because he's Scottish. Right. Then we went over to Braemar, Scotland, which is in kind of the foothills of the Highlands, and that was going to be the next big Highlands game. Now, what we discovered when we started sort of planning out our, what our coverage of the event would be is it's really not a sporting event. It's more of a family gathering. And yes, there are sporting things that go on. Like any, if you had a big family at a big picnic, you'd have a tug of war. You might have uh, who can throw the rock farthest into the water kind of contest. And they had more formalized, but they had uh, events like that. But most of it was a picnic with food and all. Luckily, the queen's mother was coming. So that gave it a whole lot of prestige. Uh -huh. And... When we got there, they said, well, actually, we went over for a trip to survey it. And they said, now, everybody who's on the field has to wear Scottish dress, Scottish clothes. So we had to rent clothes. And I, was, I wore a, a kilt. And I had, a, I had the Scottish socks that come up halfway up your calf. And I had a knife in my socks because that's, that's where they kept their secret weapon. I had a little purse on my belt. So I was fully in the in the Scottish dress, although I couldn't. The socks that came with my redded clothes weren't big enough, because I'm I'm I have size 14 feet. The uh, porter at the hotel where we were staying was also my size, so he he loaned me a pair of socks to wear to wear the thing. So here we are, you know, and it, of course it rained, and here we are in our Scottish dress. It was really, first of all, remote, and secondly, obscure because. <laughs> We couldn't really make, it wasn't really a sporting event. So we came back, we edited the program, and we had a 20-minute uh, program to, to air on Wide World of Sports. So the, the executive producer of the program uh, viewed our tape, or our film, we did it on film, mm -hmm. and said, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> Where's the sporting <laughs> event? He said, cut it down to 10 minutes. Oh, so boy. we cut it down to 10 minutes. He saw it again, and he said, hmm, can you just give me a couple of highlights that run about two minutes? 
we cut it down to two minutes with a little couple of little things and it never was on the air. So two trips to Scotland, renting all those clothes, shooting all that film, editing it three times, never made air. So (laughs) I wouldn't say that's one of my favorite memories, but uh, (laughs) it was certainly the most unique. And and that's what I really enjoyed with um, the ABC Sports alumni group is telling stories like that with people Mm -hmm. that you've kept tabs on former employees. How many alumni do you count in the group and how did you decide to start doing Zoom get-togethers during the pandemic? We have about um, 430, I think, or 440 people that we communicate with in our our alumni group. Thought that was a way too many to have on a Zoom. Not that everybody would, would come on, but we didn't know how many. What if we invite 400 people and 300 show up? So we thought, so we, we formed a little committee and whittled it down to about um, 150 people. <laughs> this is as low as we could go and sent them all invitations. And really no more than 45 have shown up on any one of those occasions. The way it started was Jeff Mason, who was longtime ABC and NBC uh, sports uh, producer. Jeff said, you know, we could do this for, for our, he said, everybody's sitting at home anyway. Why don't we do this? So we sent out invitations and the first one was, was very successful. And you know how when if you do a Zoom, you, have, you can have a screen of like nine or more pictures. So I, I put that on the I put that in the next invitation and a couple people saw that and thought, Oh, this looks great. And those couple of people were Al Michaels and Bob Iger. So we had them as guests on our, or not guests, but as participants on our second zoom. Now we knew we had, you know, hit on something that would might be a little bit useful in, in this yeah. time. Yeah. It's been great. And you've been on it. Yeah. No, I really appreciate it. And uh, just sit back and, and listening to the stories. And uh, what's been the biggest takeaway from the chats with your fellow alumni? I think probably that second week when, when we had uh, Bob Iger and, and, and they both stayed uh, and Al Michaels, they both stayed through the whole thing. It was, it was an hour. I thought, well, they're, you know, they'll get bored. My Bob Iger was just at the point where he was going back into run Disney when they sort of were, you know, floundering because everything was fine. They got a new CEO to come in and start uh, start taking over. And then COVID hit and Disney's uh, business needed help. So Bob Iger stepped back in. He was right in the middle of all that. And yet he found an hour out of his busy day uh, to to join us on the on the Zoom. So, I mean, I would say that was that was pretty good. Then then we we the last couple that we've done, we tried to have a format where we had a theme and we would have a guest. And uh, that's worked out pretty well, too. We had Terry Gannon was our first guest. And he has, you know, a lot of history in both as a, as a college basketball player at North Carolina State and as a commentator on many sports, on ESPN and ABC. And then we had uh, Bart Connor the next week. Um, and I think that's the one you attended. That's right. And he was a big hit because he has a lot of, a lot of stuff going on and a lot of interesting things to say, and who gets a chance to talk to Bart Connor or Terry Gannon for that matter. So it was, it was really good for us. Now we sort of, everybody's going back to work now, everybody's getting busy again. So it's been sort of uh, hard to get, get it going again. And I don't know, maybe we've seen the last one, but, but it was certainly a great thing for that COVID experience. 
period. The Bob Iger, reading his Ride of a Lifetime book, learning more about his experience with ABC, mm-hmm. you know, one of the big moments he said was uh, a uh, table tennis tournament in North Korea, the first time uh, any outside television group went in to televise something. Are there any stories you have about Bob Iger, who, you know, obviously became, like you say, the CEO of Disney of your time working with him? Well, he he started out as a, not sure what the title of his first job was, but he was scheduling the associate directors. And at that time, I was an associate director. So Mm -hmm. uh, when I, you know, generally knew my assignments and what I would be doing in any given month, but there would be a lot of little things that would need to get done, like somebody would have to build the wide world of sports billboards that begin the, that begin the program. And uh, that, that was, and then editing promos was also kind of being sent to Siberia for, for your, for your assignment. But whenever the phone rang and it was Bob Iger, I could always feel it in the pit of my stomach. Here comes bad news. But other than that, I mean, Bob, Bob has, he did a great, he did a lot of good things for ABC sports and I mean, he's he's really, really good at what he does. And now, I mean, there's no question that he's made Disney into something just amazing. So I have my I have great respect for him and admiration and thanks. You mentioned he and Al Michaels coming on, and I think it really speaks to the alumni of ABC Sports and looking across the television landscape and seeing former employees at CBS, Fox, NBC, ESPN, Turner, outside of sports, including Bob Iger. Why did the division breed such success through the years? Well, well, I think it was because, for one thing, we were, we were first at a lot of things. When, when ABC Sports was formed, it actually began as an independent sports production company. And a man named Ed Sherrick started it. And he, his idea was, we'll produce programs for television companies, stations, networks, whatever, whoever wants it. And, um, and then that'll be, that'll be the business we do. We'll get the rights to these events and then we'll sell to the, to the networks. Well, CBS and NBC both had kind of a, a already established sports. They didn't have sports departments. Their sports, their NFL games and their golf and so on was done through the news department, but it was all already in place. So Sports Programs Incorporated, Ed Sherrick's pro, uh, company, all of their product was going to ABC. So eventually they came to the conclusion that they should become maybe a, a division or ABC should buy them and they should be part of ABC. So that happened. And they still were, AB, they still were Sports Programs Incorporated. And that was just at the time I started working there. I could see when I started, the stationery said, still said Sports Program Incorporated, but we had become ABC Sports, Inc. So we were a separate company, kind of, but we were ABC Sports, Inc. So that, that was um, uh, the, sort of the beginning of ABC Sports. But because it was a separate department of the company, that allowed, and then they hired Rune Arledge to run it at that point, that allowed Rune Arledge to do more things. Wide World of Sports is a good example. College football. Uh, he convinced the network we needed to be aggressive. Once it started, you, the network didn't need to be convinced because they saw that their, their entertainment programming was not competing well with the other networks for ratings. And yet the sports was. So 
let's put a little more money of our money in sports. Rune uh, knew exactly what to do. He had great vision. He was brilliant at what he did in, in terms of what will people want to see? How can we present something in a different way? How can we personalize? He, he thought stories about the athletes would be a great way to get people interested. Uh, he's, you know, make it People magazine of, of sports without sacrificing the sports coverage. This is why I think ABC Sports got off to a good start. They were positioned differently than the other networks. And Rune was a great uh, leader. And we had some great producers like Chuck Howard, who was not only a great producer, but he was a great teacher. I learned so much from him about how to, how, how to do things, how to tell stories about uh, sporting events on television. And we had, we had some other great people like Doug Wilson, who was very good at, again, telling stories. And how, how can you take a sporting event and make it a story that people will be interested in? Those people and, and, and some young people that I worked with, like Don Olmeyer went on to run NBC Sports, Dick Ebersol, who was uh, Rune's assistant for a few years, went on to run NBC Sports. And so there's like a breeding ground of future executives for other network sports departments. And I think that's why the footprint of ABC Sports is so big in the industry. Uh, I think you've, you've answered this in people and production, but I guess if you had to condense it down, and I guess you already just did, but is there anything else you would add to what the legacy of Wide World of Sports is in a world now where sports programming is the most coveted and the highest rated that's out there? I think ABC Sports, uh, Wide World of Sports was not going to last forever. I mean, nothing does. But I think the... the, the uh, Fascination early on was being able to take a TV camera to Russia and see figure skating or go to East Germany and see weightlifting. These things had never been done before. And, and the, the fascination of the geography, geographical part of it, you know, here we are in Hungary, it was fascinating. And now it's child's play. You know, we go around the world, everybody flies everywhere. Uh, television broadcast can originate from any, literally anywhere, underwater, anywhere. So the fasc that fascination is, no, is not there anymore. And these obscure sports are not so obscure anymore. Uh, gymnastics was an obscure sport when ABC's Wide World of Sports started covering it. Not anymore. You know, it's common. It's, a, it's, it's one that, that people, people tune in specifically to watch. So I would say that that probably... Uh, was the run of ABC Sports. And also, when, when ESPN came on, now you've got Wide World of Sports 24 hours a day. So there was really no place for Wide World of Sports anymore. I think, I think ESPN was a, was a game changer as far as that kind of programming, having a place. But it certainly maintains a legacy. And ABC tried to, even with ESPN's presence, ABC tried to keep Wide World of Sports as a thing for maybe a few years after it's, it should have been put to bed. Uh, and I, I think everybody appreciated that because there was a legacy and that was our you know, title. Uh, but it was eventually going to end and, uh, and, and it had a great run. I mean, think about the 26 week replacement series that became you know, years and years and years of, of airing. So God bless it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well said. 
So uh, do you have any uh, other upcoming events or projects that we should uh, keep an eye out for? Well, no, I, I'm, I'm completely retired now. So mm -hmm. I, I haven't done any, I haven't done any work in probably uh, maybe six years, five mm -hmm. years. Um, the, the last, the last events, once, once I left AB, well, ABC sports sort of dissolved into ESPN, as you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Disney, when Disney bought ABC, the way the corporate people out in um, Burbank with Disney looked at it was, why do we have two sports departments? We have ABC sports and we have ESPN. And at that time, ESPN was on a skyrocket course. And SportsCenter was just, everybody watched SportsCenter. They did some uh, focus groups and they said, what, uh, do you watch Wide World of Sports? And they got from especially younger people, what, what is that? Well, do you watch SportsCenter? Oh yeah, I watch SportsCenter, you know, three times a day. So I told Disney that maybe Wide World of Sports, ABC Sports for that matter, had run its course. And also being a, an aging big company, uh, it was, everything was done cheaper at ESPN. So that caught the eye of all the green eye shades out in Burbank and the ABC sports future was the, you know, the handwriting was on the wall. So with the end of ABC sports, that was the end of me. Although I did do a little work for ESPN and, uh, and other companies, but um, you know, finally it came time to retire. So I think it was 2014. I did my last event, which was a college golf tournament. <laughs> And uh, in Florida, and uh, and that was it. So no, I'm not uh, not. I have no upcoming projects except to watch my grandkids grow up. If we were to draw you out of retirement, are there any items that you haven't, having spanned the globe as you did for so many events? But is there something on your broadcasting bucket list that would bring you back? Well, in a fantasy world, uh, I would. I never directed baseball, and baseball was my favorite sport as a kid growing up. I never had a chance to. Actually, I did have an opportunity once, but I couldn't do it. Uh, it was a, uh, <clears throat> a game on Fox. It was, I, think it was a, I think it might have been a college game on Fox. Uh -huh. And they, the director got sick. And I was in the city where the game was taking place to do a professional volleyball tournament the next day. Mm -hmm. So they said, oh, the, game, the college game is tonight. Can you come and do it? And I couldn't because I had to go to, uh, to an event with the volleyball. So um, that, would be, that would be on my bucket list. But I mean, it's never going to happen. But that was the one thing I would like to have done because I, I love the sport. Just love the sport. I would have thought the Masters. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, the Masters was. Uh, I have a love affair with the Masters, but I know that the people who televise it have have their hands tied by the by the organizers. Yeah. And you've probably read the stories about how specific and demanding. Right. Even to this day, that they are, and right. and the CBS, they, they love CBS. CBS has, I think, been the only network that's done the Masters, and um, that's how they want it. They don't want to try anything new. So I think it would be that would not be something that I would get any thrill out of, but also I would probably hate it <laughs> because of because of the handcuffs and the restrictions. This has been a, a pleasure, Jim Jeanette. Thank you so much for your time and for being the caretaker of the ABC Sports Alumni Group. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me talking to you today, too. Well, I'll look forward to the next Zoom. And 
Until then, thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M is in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.